Good morning. We're glad you're here to worship with us together at Broadway. Uh, obviously, we've got some special guests with us. This is the Kentucky Baptist All-State Youth Choir and Orchestra, uh, and they're going to be joining with us this morning. We'll hear from them a little bit later, uh, and David Dale's going to explain that to you a little more in just a second. Um, but we're going to go ahead and invite you to stand with us and uh, join us as we begin to worship together this morning.
Amen. You can be seated for a minute. Certainly the reason we're here today is to hail and praise the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't it a great day to be at Broadway Baptist Church? I want to say welcome to those of you who may be visiting with us. You'll find in the bulletin that you have a perforated piece of paper there that you can fill out, tear it off, and if you miss the offering plate, you can even put it in a little black box at the back of the Welcome Center. We'd love to have record of your visit today. We're delighted that you're here and hope you will take time to do that. Also on that same piece of paper, there is a place to put prayer needs. If you have a prayer need you want to share with us, please write that down and uh, let us know that. Our church staff under our pastor's leadership we have a prayer time every Tuesday morning, and we pray over the needs that you share with us. There are several announcements in the bulletin. The big thing here today is the uh, choir that's behind me. We're excited to have the Kentucky Baptist All State Youth Choir. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward right now, though, as I'm talking, because the next thing on our agenda is an offering. The Kentucky Baptist All State Youth Choir is really put together by the Kentucky Baptist Church Music uh, Department under the leadership of Jason Stewart. Jason's over here somewhere. I saw him. I know he's there. But anyway, yeah, Jason, we say thank you. Stand up. We want to see you. You can't miss him. A great guy. I've been doing this for several years. And also Mickey Ballard, who is directing the choir, does a great job. You're going to see him in just a few minutes. <laughs> this completes their tour. They've been on a tour this week. They're singing here. And then this afternoon at 3 o'clock, a great concert for everyone to attend. And then they're going home from here today. So we're delighted to host this group in our church today. I'm going to ask Ben Biddle to come. Ben is our deacon of the week. He's going to pray, and then we'll take the offering, and the music will continue. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful for this day that you've given us and for the opportunity to come in thy house and worship thee. We thank you for the many blessings that you give us each and every day. We ask you to be with our military throughout the world who gives us the freedom to come and worship as we like. We ask you to take the offering, multiply it, serve, let us serve you throughout this community, the state, and the country. We thank you for everything you do for us, especially for our Father and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. stand and join us as we sing that again. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust 
cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet, my Savior on that cursed tree. shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus'
Amen. Isn't that the beauty of the resurrection? That we have the hope that for all eternity, we sing the praises of our King. We're going to sing that chorus one more time. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Let's lift our voices together as we mimic what heaven sings. Oh, praise the we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came, that he lived a sinless life, that he died our death that we deserved. God, we thank you and we praise you that he didn't stay dead, but instead three days later you raised him from the grave that we could have the hope of eternal life through him. God, we love you. God, and we long for the day that we get to rejoice for all eternity in your goodness. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the name of the Lord our God has been the theme for our week. Our theme is Hallelujah, which is derived from the Hebrew meaning praise the Lord. And that's what we have sought to do all week. That's what we're glad we've been able to join you in doing today is praising the name of the Lord our God. Continue worshiping with us as we sing today.
And his name will ever be the Prince of Peace, the Wonderful Counselor. He's the great and mighty Lord. Bow before our Holy Savior. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given.
God is with us, and we sing hallelujah, not really just because of what he's done for us, but simply because of how great he is. Because of his greatness, he and he alone is worthy of our praise. He and he alone should be the recipient of our worship. In the good times and in the bad, when we recognize who God is, we simply cannot stop praising his name. We simply can't stop our hallelujahs. Your glory lights the stars and driving sun. Your power raises mountains like the sun. How could I not worship? How could I not worship? You knew my name before my life began. My very days are carved by your own hand. How could I not worship? How could I not worship? 
graduate from college, one of the best things for you to do, and, um, and parents, I, you need to think about this for your children as well. When you graduate from Kentucky or Louisville or wherever you go to school at, you need to think about giving two years of your life to overseas missions. That's with our International Mission Board. Those were a couple of young ladies there that were serving in Uganda, uh, who we have some in our church who's there right now in, 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 uh, in that country in Uganda, but that is... Um, uh, an incredible, uh, incredible ministry. In fact, we have someone in our church service right now who is in the journeyman program. So I, I and Boo just made that video. I wanted to put it out there. It's um, a lot of times parents have to plant these seeds in their children's life about what to do. Maybe you graduate from college and think, well, what's next? Those two years is a wonderful mission opportunity to certainly, certainly support. Open your Bibles, book of Luke, Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 54. We are in a, a summer sermon series called Summer Jump, and today we're talking about different themes throughout the summer, and today I believe is really one of probably the most important one. It's on responsibility. Jesus addressed the topic and the issue of responsibility, and it's important for us because we live in a time, we live in a culture where all folks do is blame other people. If, if you're not happy, you can blame someone, and you can get out of it. And the perfect example of that was um, I shared about Zion Williamson. Uh, he, he went to Duke. He was the first uh, Thursday was the uh, NBA draft, and he was the first pick by the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion Williamson, right after he declared, I think when you're in college, you can't sign with an agent uh, until you declare your, uh, uh, um, I guess, a, a become a, a draft a person that you're eligible for the draft. Well, five days after, this was back in late April, he declared that he was going to be in the NBA draft, which everybody knew he was going to be the first pick. So what happened was once he was there, um, like five days afterwards, he signed this contract with some sports marketing to help, like $100 million to help market him as a sports person. Well, but this past week he decided that he didn't like that contract, so he wants out of it. And he's now, they're now suing each other to get out of it, to break our contract. And that's a perfect, that contract only made it like seven weeks. And that's a perfect example of here we are for this young man who has such a bright future that he has to take responsibility. When you sign a contract, when you sign the dotted line and you give your name saying, I'm going to do this, I'm giving my word for something, 
people expect you're going to be held accountable for that. But we live in a time where anything's breakable. You can get out of anything you want, and that's the mindset. The problem with that is that doesn't work with God. God holds us and keeps us responsible for our actions. One of the best stories about this, if you remember King David, King David, he was very successful as a battle leader. He had a mighty warrior who was right there helping him named Joab. And in 2 Samuel chapter 11, it said in verse 1, it says, In the spring when the kings would go out to battle, David sent Joab and he stayed home at the palace and he didn't go out to battle. The danger of that is he was supposed to be out with the guys fighting with the typical, I guess, springtime wars, what they did back then. But he stayed home. That started a series of just tragic things in David's, not just his life, including his entire kingdom. That's when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. Then his family started falling apart. Then he murdered Bathsheba's husband. It just went on and on and on. In many ways, that was the beginning of David's fall. And what happened is God sent a prophet to tell him, says, David, this is your fault. Prophet Nathan shows up and says, this is your fault. You can't blame anyone else for what just happened. And David owned up to his responsibility, but the sad thing was there were consequences of that. Well, when we pass away or when Jesus comes back, whichever one happens first, we will stand before God and he will hold us responsible for our actions. He will hold us responsible for whether or not he, we accepted him, what his, his son on the cross, or we rejected him. So that's what we're going to look at here in your Bible. Turn your Bibles here. Luke chapter 11, verse 37. It says, as he was speaking, a Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw this, he was amazed that he did not first perform the ritual washing before dinner. What happened was this Pharisee invited Jesus over to his house to come have dinner. And they get there, and the first thing the Pharisees, they're, all, you know, they're watching Jesus, saying, what's this guy going to do? And Jesus didn't wash his hands first. Who grew up in a house that your mama, before you sat down, <laughs> still might exist, you still might live in one of these houses, that before you ate dinner, you had to wash your hands? Is that it? Okay, well, yes, what it is is you were expected to go to the kitchen sink and you wash your hands with soap and then you walk over and you can eat dinner. You had to do that before basically dinner, lunch, breakfast, anytime you eat, mama wants you to wash your hands. Well, that's what this Pharisee, he's sitting there peeking around the corners, Jesus is going to wash his hands. He's wanting to see, is this guy going to eat? with dirty hands. Well, Jesus did not wash his hands. So he would probably fit in, since most of us do not wash our hands, he would fit in here with the, this crowd here. Now, that 9 o'clock crowd, they all raise their hands. They wash their hands at, um, at, at the first service. But not this group here. They, we don't wash our hands when we go and we eat, we eat dinner. And that's what this guy did. He's spying on Jesus. And he sees that. And Jesus is reading his mind. The man never says anything. Pharisee doesn't say a word. Jesus knows what this guy's thinking. 
and then he's, he's at dinner at his home, and then Jesus has some words for him. So look what happens. It says here, verse 39, But the Lord said to him, he's reading his mind, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and evil. Right there, he's going after him saying, Hey, you Pharisees, on the outside you look great, but on the inside you look, you know, you're filled with moral filth. You know, even Jewish folks today, if you go to the Wailing Wall, they have a wash basin that you can wash your hands before you go up and touch the wall at the, at the, at the Western Wall. Jesus is saying, you're presenting something on the outside, but inside it's wrong. A few years ago, we lost, you know, I have children, and we lost a sippy cup. And sippy cups contain milk, and in a sippy cup, you know, even if you turn it upside down, it doesn't leak out. So once this stuff gets in there, it's sealed if you buy the good one. So in many ways, a thermos today is kind of like a good thermos. It's like a sippy. That's all a thermos is, is a, a, a man's sippy cup, a big sippy cup. <coughs> so if you carry one, that's, that's really what you're carrying. Because you turn it upside down and your coffee and whatever you got in there, it doesn't come out. Well, we lost one. It was missing about two weeks in our car. It was under the, um, under the seat. And I found it. And we said, oh, look, here's the sippy cup. Well... You know, I, I didn't think about, you know, I wonder what it's like inside of the sippy cup, at, you know, with, with old milk, half-drink milk that's been sitting in a car for two weeks. Well, I casually just put it in the sink. Well, that was my day to do dishes. I think every day is my day to do with dishes, but I, um, I did dishes, and I opened that thing up. Because sippy cup, you can't smell. I mean, so it's sealed whatever's in there. I opened it up. The milk had soured. Curled. It was nasty, disgusting, clunky. Have you ever seen two-week-old, old milk? It's awful. And on the outside, the cup looks good. You don't even think, oh, here's a sippy cup. Great, I found it. You know, if I had known while I was opening, I was just going to throw the thing in the garbage. You wouldn't even want to open it up. That's what Jesus is describing as someone's life. That on the outside, you look good, but on the inside, there's evil, impurity, moral filth in your life. This is the danger of social media. You can present an image on Instagram that's radically different than your real life. It looks good. You look like you've got it together, but spiritually, inside, Jesus knows that is not the man. That is not the same woman. They're radically different. Keep going here in your Bibles. Look what it says. Fools, didn't he who made the outside also make the inside too? But give from what is within to the poor, and then everything is clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees. You give a tenth of mint. That word tenth is actually means tithe. That's the only place in the Bible Jesus uses the word tithe. You ever had somebody say, Jesus didn't talk about tithing? Wrong. He did right there. He used that word. Give a tithe of mint rue and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you have should have done without neglecting the others. He's saying, yeah, you might be great at tithing and giving, and you're generous, but you have, you have completely neglected any love for the Lord. Woe to you Pharisees, you love the front seat in the synagogue 
and greetings in the marketplace. In Bible times, it was the front seat. Nowadays, it's the back seat. The Pharisees, they wanted the best place. They wanted to be seen. They would go to the summit. They wanted to go to the shopping centers at Fayette Mall. Why? They wanted to be seen. They had a, they, their attitude was, I want you to see me. Nowadays, way to be seen, you just take pictures of yourself and put it all over the Internet. You want folks to see you. That's the picture that Jesus is saying here. He's saying, you know, this is verse, verse 44. Woe to you, you're like an unmarked grave. The people who walk over them don't even know it. One time I was officiating a funeral, and I was standing towards the front where the head of the casket was, and there was a, um, there was a lady, and I, this was her family, and she had her, her mother was buried over here, but you know at a funeral, they'd lay down those, uh, those green, fa- it's fake grass, it's like a mat over everything, so you don't even realize what you're standing on their graveside service. You could be standing on a grave. And this one woman, apparently she realized this other man over here was standing on her mom, and she made the comment, this, really, well, this is an awkward moment. Have you ever had an awkward moment? She spoke out, everybody heard her, says, Sir, do you mind moving? Was not talking to me. I'm standing here, he's there, she's there. Sir, do you mind moving? You're standing on mama. And it's just weird. <laughs> and he moves, oh, I'm sorry. It was one of those signs, it was one of those times like, oh, this is, what do you say, what do you do in a moment like that? But anyway, we, I hurried up and wrapped that one on up. But we, um, we were there in, in Bible times, in the book of Leviticus. God told the Israelites, do not touch a corpse. And the reason why God said that is so they don't get bacteria and germs and diseases. You would keep corpses, dead folks, away from other people for disease purposes. Well, what the Pharisees had done is they had taken, don't touch a dead body, to now don't even walk on top of a grave. Well, walking on top of a grave, you're not going to, hopefully, you're not going to get a disease if you walk on top of someone's grave. Now, that lady out there, I guess she believed that was going to happen, but most, mostly, we're not, you're not going to get sick walking on top of someone's grave. The law in the Old Testament was quarantined Israelites from disease. And the Pharisees had taken that to going around marking all the graves so they could go around saying, our hands are clean. We have not walked or stepped on anyone's grave. As this this prideful arrogance, because what happened, if you were to touch an unclean body, the Bible said you were to be uh, defiled, unclean for a week for seven days. And they had taken that. If you then walked on a, 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 a grave, then you were unclean. So that was what they were just twisted the scriptures of what God had said. Keep going here in your Bible. So Jesus is going after the Pharisees. Verse 45, one of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. So we're at the man's house, Pharisee's house, and all he's doing is Jesus is going after the Pharisees. And some teachers of law are right there too saying, Goodness, Jesus, he's providing you a meal and you're just unloading on us. And then Jesus, in true fashion, he just turned and says, Sir, since you spoke up, I've got some words for you. Verse 46, he said, Woe to you also, experts in the law. You load people down with burdens that are hard to carry, and yet you yourselves don't even touch these burdens with one of your fingers. 
church, that's what we call hypocrisy. When you say one thing, when you expect, when you have a standard for some people, but you yourselves, you do not hold to them. That's what Jesus is speaking here. Woe to you, you build tombs for the prophets, and your fathers killed them. Therefore you are witnesses that you approve the deeds of your fathers. For they killed them, and you build their monuments. Jesus is saying, guys, y'all sit around talking about how great and how important and how wonderful the prophets of old are, but your grandpa killed them. Like, you go out, your, your ancestors killed these people, and now you're building a shrine talking about how wonderful they are. Like, something's not right. It's like when someone dies, their stock goes up. You ever notice that? When someone, everybody loves the dead. You love people that have passed away. You talk great about them. That's what Jesus is saying. He says, you treated them like garbage, and now they die, and you love them. Like, who are you fooling? That's what Jesus is saying. Remember, he's going after the religious people here. Verse 49, because of this, the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets since the foundation of this world. Jesus says, God's holding you responsible for this. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Now, there in the Bible, there's two Zechariahs. There's the minor prophet named Zechariah. But then also, there was another gentleman who was a priest in 2 Chronicles chapter 24. And his name was Zechariah, and they killed him at church. He was there at the temple in Jerusalem, and they killed him at the altar. What Jesus says in the Hebrew Bible, the last book of the Hebrew Bible is called First or Second Chronicles. So the very first murder in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, was Abel. In the Bible Jesus used, the very last murder would have been Zechariah in Second Chronicles. Jesus just said, from the beginning here with Abel, all the way to the end with Zechariah, your fathers, your ancestors have killed the very people God sent. And here we're building tombs for them, talking about how great they are. He's saying, guys, it's hypocrisy. You're saying one thing and doing something else. Jesus said right here in verse 51, Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible. Now, if Jesus is holding that generation 2,000 years ago responsible, what is he holding you responsible for today? What is our generation? Here we are, it's 2019. What is God holding us responsible for? Now think about it. He's going to hold us responsible for something. You look out these windows, there's cars driving around. I know we have a lot of guests here with us. This is the busiest intersection right here. New Circle there, Harrisburg Road. All it is is people drive by. Sunday morning, I stand up here and preach God's word. I just watch thousands and thousands and thousands of people drive by these days. And don't you know, a lot of them are not going to church. They're not. They're not going to worship. They're not going to hear a wonderful choir. They're, see, they're young. There's young people in these cars that are not in the youth group. There's young children that did not go to VBS this past week. There's parents that are 
living for anything except God, and their children see that. Listen, God is going to hold us responsible when we allow a lost world to pass through Lexington and Kentucky and beyond, and they do not hear about Jesus. Whose fault is it? It's my fault. It's your fault. It's Broadway Baptist Church's fault. God holds us. Parents, it's your fault. Most important thing you teach your child is how to be saved and how how they need to have a love for the Lord. They need to be in church. They need to be serving. They need to know their Bible. They need to be there saying, I grew up in a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing, gospel-centered church. Because what's going to happen is, if they don't hear it from us, who else are they going to Are they going to hear it at school? Are they going to hear it on YouTube? Are they going to hear it on Instagram? Like, who, here, here, where are they going to hear the gospel at? If, if they don't hear it from us, and moms and dads in their church, who's going to share it to them? That's our takeaway today. What will we be held responsible for? Jesus is holding all these Jewish folks responsible for building these nice tombs to people they killed. Like, this makes no sense whatsoever. Could you imagine us standing in front of God? And here we are. We proudly go stand and appear before him. And he looks at us and says, Daniel, I gave you all the tools and the resources. I put all the people in your life that you needed to share the gospel with, who needed to hear about my son Jesus, and you didn't do it. That is the same as killing the prophets. When we don't share the gospel, we're sending someone to an eternal hell. That's the same thing as killing the prophets in the Old Testament. God will hold us responsible for that. Keep going in your Bibles here. Last couple of verses. Last few things here. Woe to you experts in the law. You have taken away the key to knowledge. You didn't go in yourselves, and you hindered those who were trying to go in. When he left there, what that meant there, that verse, verse 52, is, guys, y'all run the church, and you're, you're, you're not even saved yourself, and all you do is hinder everybody else. It's like you go to church, and you hear about everything except Jesus. That's actually possible today. You can go to church. Get sports scores, find out what folks are up to, where they went on vacation, what are they doing, how their sickness is coming, talk about everything except the Lord. And that's what Jesus just said. That means all you're doing is hindering people. You're a stumbling block for folks being saved. When he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to oppose him fiercely and cross-examine him about many things. They were lying in wait to trap him in something He said, God wants us to live a blame-free life. Last night, Sherry and I, we went to something called the Water Lantern Festival. The Water Lantern Festival. Who here has been to a Water Lantern Festival? Anyone? Goodness. Anybody? Well, nobody at 9 o'clock. I must have hadn't been to Water Lantern. Well, anyway. Oh, here's a picture of it up here. Here's, Here's what it looks like. This is at Jacobson Park off Richmond Road. 
this is what I was doing last night. By the way, it does not turn dark till like 9.45. You're just waiting. Come on, sun, keep going down. We got Because you can't really see it until the sun goes down. What it is, it's um, you, can, you, you go there and you get a lantern and you can write, write Bible verses for all. You can write for KUK, whatever folks, folks wrote all sorts of stuff on your lantern. And then you put it out in the water. And they're playing music. It's really neat. It's, it's something that <laughs> children would love. It. It's really a cool event. And um, we went there, but while I was there, it's a festival, so what you know what that means. That means they have vendors. That means food trucks and everybody else selling stuff. You've got down by the lakes at Lanterfest, and then there's like a, a long road where you just walk down and buy stuff. That's what every festival is like. So we've got the kids, and we're walking away. We're walking around, which is dangerous because that means we're about to spend money. So we're just we're walking down, and the kids are just, I want this, I want this. I want. So we come up to this one booth, and it's these four young girls dressed up as Disney princesses. And what they were trying to do is they wanted you to rent them for your birthday party. So you can just imagine all these little girls are gathered around these Disney princesses, and they had good costumes on. I mean, like, if you're turning five, you have Ariel come to your birthday party, and they do a show, whatever they do. Well, we're there, and, of course, we had to stop at that booth with the little girls, and we're talking to the Disney princess. And Elizabeth walks over and says, Mom, they're, they're wearing braces. One of them had braces on. I said, why, 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 does, why does she have braces on? And we had to say, you know, these are teenage girls dressed up as princesses. These aren't real princesses. Now, Elizabeth knew that, of course. Maybe not so much Esther. But think about this. These young ladies presented themselves it's a costume. They're presenting themselves as a princess, as a Disney character, when in fact they weren't at all. They probably go to Lafayette High School down the road here. And what happens there is, church, that's our life in many ways if we're not careful. That's hypocrisy. Now, they aren't being hypocrites. But if you present yourself as something like that, I'm a prince or a princess, or I'm this type of guy, I'm this type of husband, I'm this type of godly man. Yet then, when it's pulled back, you realize, wait a minute, do princesses wear braces? Do, do they do these type of things? Do godly people act this way? And the answer is no. Hypocrisy, I want you all to understand, because this is what Jesus is going after the Pharisees, and he's going after the church folks. Hypocrisy is one the one way you're presenting your life and it's a radically different way of your actual life. You're wearing a costume. Hypocrites put a costume on. Four final things here up on the board. Look at this. Here are your takeaways. God holds you responsible. You are going to be held responsible before, before the Lord. You're held responsible for your relationship with God. God knows our mind. If your whole life is a life of hypocrisy, he holds you responsible for that. Number two, do not make Christianity more difficult. One of the things the Pharisees did, they made it difficult for folks to get saved. They would go to the temple, and all they got was a bunch of rules. We point people to Jesus. You're visiting here, and you go to another church, your pastor, your church should be pointing people to Jesus. Everything you do at church, well, we just had VBS this past week. What does it do? It's all about Jesus. The choir comes. What are they singing about? They're singing about Jesus. Do not make it more difficult. 
Number three, Jesus, this is interesting, evangelized religious people. You know, he's not talking to the lost. He's talking to the Pharisees. Well, they were lost. He's talking to the experts in the law. He's going to them, and he's saying, guys, you're not even saved. Revival begins at the house of the Lord. If you want to see spiritual renewal, who does it start with? It starts with you and I. If you want your family to be changed, it starts with you. It is so easy to come to church, to go on choir tour, and all you do is evaluate. This is what they should have done. This is what he should have said. They should have sang like this. And what happens, all you do is just go around telling everybody else what they should have done. And Jesus comes and says, Pharisee, the problem is you. The problem is your heart. Last thing here. Love for symbols, love for sin, love for the simplistic. Love for secondary things, love for status. Jesus exposes them all. All these things, these Pharisees and experts in law were struggling with in these verses we just read. And Jesus just said, none of these things were important. I expose them. He's coming in and saying, I want to find folks who love God. That most important, that their hearts are pure. They have clean hands and a pure heart. Listen, young folks, one of the best things, we have a funeral in our church. We had a gentleman pass away two days ago, Mr. Joe Taylor. He was 83 years old. He'd been married 61 years. And I had a chance to talk to Joe down here at St. Joe's Hospital about a week ago before he went to be with Jesus. And he was saved. He got saved as a teenager. And he told me he remained, he was faithful to his wife. You know, God's plan for young folks, while they're a teenager, for them to remain morally pure. Why they're saved for them, if they're married 60, they should be married 61 years all the way to death, them to remain faithful to their spouse. God wants us to be believers who stand before him and says, God, I had clean hands, I had a clean heart. Might have made some other mistakes, but Lord, I had pure motives. Lord, my life was about you. We do not stand before God playing the blame game. God wants you and I to take responsibility for our decisions. We don't want to be like Zion Williamson and start trying to get out of deals and start blaming everyone else. We don't want to be like a child that gets caught with their hand in the cookie jar and they're blaming other people for their problems. God's looking for believers who are saying, Lord, it's me. I'm guilty or I'm innocent. Either way, I take responsibility for what happened. Now, we're about to have a time of response. I just shared about Jesus' generation. They were being held responsible for killing the prophets. What are you being held responsible for? God holds us responsible for hypocrisy, but he also holds us responsible for are we going to be soul winners? Are we going to make sure it's difficult to go to hell here in Lexington? Are people going to hear about Jesus? Are people going to know Broadway Baptist Church or whatever Baptist Church, whatever church you go to, is this a gospel-teaching, gospel-preaching church that's making it challenging for folks to die in a crisis eternity? If you've never received Jesus, you can do that this morning.
Jesus holds your relationship with him. He holds you responsible for that. We have our time of response, every single worship service. You come forward and say, I would like to receive Jesus. I want to be saved. I want what these young people have. I want, I want this type of clean hands and a clean heart that Jesus talks about. I don't want to live a double-minded life. Let's stand together. Our band's going to lead us in our song. I'll be standing down front. Now is your time to respond. You come forward. You make a decision to follow Jesus this morning. Oh, I've heard thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, I've seen searching for answers far and wide, but I know that we're all searching for answers, only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word, you're good. Good Father, to you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you.
as you call me, deeper still as you call me, deeper still as you call me, deeper still into love, love, you're a good, good father, to you are, to you are. To you are, and I'm loved by you. To I am, to I am, to I am. You're a good, good father. To you are, to you are, to you are, and I'm loved by you. To I am, to I am. To I am, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Amen. We're glad that you were with us this morning. Uh, we're grateful to uh, those of you that are with us as, as guests with the KBC All-State Choir. Um, we're glad that you were able to be with us this morning. Don't forget... Our evening service has been moved to 3 o'clock this afternoon, and that is the uh, the concert that the, the choir and orchestra will be putting on. You don't want to miss that. It's going to be great. They've uh, they've sang in both services this morning. Um, the orchestra played in the 9 o'clock, and uh, I can tell you that uh, you definitely don't want to miss that that concert at 3 o'clock. So, uh, again, we're glad that you're with us. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to be dismissed. Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to worship you this morning. We thank you for... Um, the chance that we've had to be in your house and to fellowship with, with our fellow believers. God, I pray that now as we um, go our separate ways that you would continue to lead, guide, and direct us, Lord, and that you would continue to speak and move in each and every one of our lives. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus and for his sacrifice and his resurrection and the salvation that we have through him. It's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Have a good afternoon.